delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Big show again this week. We'll catch up with the outgoing CEO of the Australian Grand Prix, Andrew Westacott. Reminisce a little bit and talk about the future of the Grand Prix here in Melbourne. We'll also have Richard Crail and Mark Walker join me to have a chat about what's been a big week in motorsport and a big week to come in the lead up to the Australian Grand Prix next weekend. All that to come right here. On the grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. All right, the man who's been in charge of the Australian Grand Prix, not just the car Grand Prix, but also the uh, MotoGP as well down at Phillip Island, is Andrew Westercott since 2011. And unfortunately for us, this is his last one coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Andrew, good day to you. Thanks, Bex. I remember many times we were chatting in the Casey Stoner years and many other days, but it's lovely to uh, talk. Yeah, we have had chats over the time. It's been fantastic throughout that period of time. Are you your best memory of the last 12 or so years? Gee, I've seen seen lots of it and been privileged, obviously, to get great viewing at F1 and MotoGP. I mean, Casey Stoner all those years. And I remember one year when Mark Marquez down at MotoGP made a boo-boo because of the black flag With um, when we did a resurfacing. We've had scheduling changes here at Albert Park. Daniel Ricciardo, and I saw you out in the paddock, remember, in 2014. Yeah. And I think that was um, an epic year. And just the memories of maybe even Ferrari winning last year and a 400, probably the 419,000 coming back after all the COVID lockdowns has to be one of the highlights. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the way that Melbourne regrouped after the COVID period to put on probably what was one of the best Grand Prix we've ever had here in Australia, maybe not so much on the track, but definitely off the track. Yeah, it was um, definitely off the track to go from, you know, the average of around 300,000 for the last 10 years to go to 419,000. The other thing that was really special about 2022 was everyone was happy and they were just really, really excited to get out and and have a drink in the park, listen to the music and, and look at all the F1 action on track. And obviously this year we've got F2 and F3 to to add to all the other attractions. So I can't believe it's it's bigger, but it is. Yeah, tell us about 2023. From all reports, this is the biggest Grand Prix we'll put together in our lifetime. Uh, yeah, and probably until 2024. But, um, <laughs> you know, let's uh, that'll be, that'll be the, the challenge for the team after me. But, you know, at an infrastructure level, F2 and F3 is massive. From a grandstand perspective, we went from 39,000 to 46,000 seats three big new facilities. There's a Red Bull Energy Station, um, a set of terraces at around turn 13 right, which is beautiful viewing. And um, around turn eight on Lakeside, there's a wonderful three-storey hospitality facility. And then we've got, can you believe it, 74 super screens around the venue wow. to cater for the um, the best viewing for the fans. So we hope to create the uh, all the viewing pleasures of home um, in, with the atmosphere of the track. That turns out that works out to be around a three or four each turn. Yeah, probably is. You know, thirteen. To, yes, it is with a couple of extras. Well, <laughs> more than more than that. It's um, uh, and the other thing is the big general admission viewing hubs that we've got is that the fans will be able to sit down, walk around, have a look at the paddocks, have a look at all the um, action, and then if they haven't got a grandstand seat or are not in hospitality, sit down in front of. The, the viewing areas, or watch it under shaded, sh- new shaded areas at, say, Brockies Hill. The uh, the drivers themselves, the teams, and F1 in its entirety is providing us with a little bit of a, a backdrop to a good story come next week. We've had some uh, interesting races so far in the F1 season and uh, some surprising results in regards to the, the Alpine guys. And, and uh, sorry, not Alpine, the... Uh, yeah, Aston Martin, Martin, and Martin right, yeah. is who I was thinking of. Sorry, with uh, Fernando Alonso and uh, his couple of podiums. It's been quite interesting. It has. But, you know, you mentioned Alpine, and I thought you actually mentioned Alpine for a reason because they were they were in top ten and, you know, even having the Haas in there with Magnussen, um, yeah. the, the only missing group or missing team from the mid-pack was, was McLaren. And um, But the great thing on, on Oscar's side is that 
you know, he qualified. He's, he's now had his first experience of getting into Q3. And guess what? He got a full race under his belt, and that mm. was um, 45 laps or so more than what he did in Bahrain. So now he's um, got two weeks to two weeks to rest up, comes home to Melbourne, and, um, you know, he'll, uh, he'll have a great time, but we'll be steering clear from him. Yeah, well, yes, exactly. The uh, Daniel Ricciardo is an interesting one for us. For the last few years, he's obviously been the wanted man when they come to Australia, and he's done everything he can. Now that he's not driving, is the ex- expectation on him to do more, or is he just going to enjoy life a little bit more? Oh, I think you 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 still got to do a lot more, and um, you know, and earn your earn your stripes and earn your money with um, with Red Bull. He's got to keep his in the in the game. When I guess when they do Formula One drags down Las Vegas Boulevard, Las Vegas uh, yeah. the strip, and it's a Red Bull car. It's going to be either him or Coulthard who's doing it. And uh, Daniel will be doing plenty of activities around the place. I'm sure he'll be doing a lot more than he would normally do it, uh, especially down in Melbourne. And it'll be uh, great to see him here. Albeit, uh, would have been better to have two Aussies on the track. When you came into the job, Andrew, 12 or so years ago, you came in with your eyes wide open. You knew exactly what you were getting yourself into. What Has it surprised you, the the magnitude of this job? Has it just has it got beyond, like, anything that you could have expected? Oh, it's, um, it's massively bigger than when I came in as general manager of operations in 2006. I mean, the, the complexities of the event, the size of the event, um, the demands of the expectations of the fans, you know, we, we're delivering a temporary facility for 130,000 people that's got, um, you know, 170 food outlets just to start with before you look at 13,000 people being fed every day. So that's just monumentally bigger than my first ever event down at Phillip Island with, yeah. with Christopher Mullen getting on the podium um, in, a, in a wet race. In a wet race on the Suzuki, yeah. yeah. Um, so, look, it was extremely bigger it's grown to something bigger than i could ever imagine but i guess the team's growing more and more capable and we put on a sensational event and the the way that the circuit is looking at the moment it's a credit to what everyone learned um in the last year because for three years we didn't deliver an event and now we've got a really experienced team and every one of the people in the agpc team is now going to be deliver a lot more events into the future when your successor comes on board, and I'm sure that'll be named soon enough in the next few months, and the first question he may or she may ask you is, what is something that I should look forward to in the future that might trip us up? What do you say? Well, you've got to do two two things. Um, you've got to have the, the vision, and you've got to have the attention to detail. I mean, with the, without the vision, you don't get what... Um, Jeff Kennett, Ron Walker, Bernie Eccleston did and Judith Griggs in the early years. And I take my hat off to them because, you know, when Judy came out in as our CEO in 1996, she was starting with a blank sheet of paper. Um, now, what you've got to do is you've got the vision of Liberty Media and what they want to do with Stefano Domenicali at the helm and the ambitions that he's got to be ambitious and to be fan-facing. The interesting thing, Shebex, is that all the new fans who are coming into Formula One they're coming to the event for the first time. Yeah. So we've got to give them the real taste that they're actually seeing on Drive to Survive. And the benefit of Melbourne is that we're going to have a bloody great day out. And that's going to win them back. I mean, the only reason we're going from 419 to 450,000 is because the people who came along in 2022 had a sensational time. If they'd had a terrible time, it'd be a struggle. Yeah. Um, Product's got to be right, and the sort of the value for money equation's got to be right. So, you know, the advice I give is you've got to have the vision. But I tell you what, you've got to have the attention to detail because motorsport's dangerous. The expectations of Formula One teams are high, and the expectations of the fans are even higher. The inclusion of Formula Two, F two, and F three this uh, this year, as you said, has made the the show even bigger and better. Does it come at a risk at the possibility of? F1, F2 and F3 becoming the only shows in town like they do overseas? Um, We've steadfastly resisted that. We've retained a four-day event. And I think one of the things that overseas events, and I've seen a few of them um, do, is that they have too much space in terms of time and and empty space Mm. on their track program. You You can't have 
a two-hour break in racing action. You can have 25, 30 minutes so that people can go buy some merchandise, they can go to the, um, the bathrooms, they can have food and beverage or listen to some music or just generally chill out and then go back and watch the big events. But um, we've, I think, found the right mix because we've got supercars and Porsche and we've got historic parades celebrating 70th anniversary since the first racing in Albert Park in 53. Yeah. So, you know, we're never taking our eye off that um, level of value and entertainment that we have to provide. So Dave Corrigan, who looks after our motorsport, and Tom Mottram in operations are acutely aware of that, and that's why we've got also 500 cars on display from all the car clubs and or about 25 car clubs, and it's pretty impressive, i got to say. Yeah, no, it certainly is. Andrew, as we let you go, uh, what does the future hold? Do you just relax now in lawn for the rest of your life, or is there another job? Well, I've, I've been relaxing in lawns since the start of my life, and my life's um, only uh, half the way through. So I'll be certainly doing that, Shebex. But, um, you know, I started life in the you know, the game of chemical engineering. I lived the, the dream-making pet food, and I've had sort of 18 years in, in major events. So I think probably if you look at the, the number of years, major events and these sorts of things are what um, – uh, I've I've learned to be pretty good at, and I think that's going to be where my heart lies. But um, you know, when you're dealing with what we do and the magnitude of what we do, I think there's some transferable skills, which has sort of been the way I've approached um, employment through the years. So yeah, there'll be a break. We'll have a um, a trip overseas, my wife and I, and uh, we'll see what what uh, the future holds. But I haven't got anything planned just yet. Well, I'm absolutely focused on the uh, the next ten days before the event. And uh, obviously the wrap-up to make sure we can return the park to Albert Park Sporting Clubs, which is an important part of what we do. Yeah, very much so. I was going to say that there's a uh, a spare office down at Marvel Stadium in a few weeks' time that could use someone with your skills. Yeah, well, they're, they're recruiting internally, but uh, if, if they don't get the internal recruitment, then if they start setting the net further and wider, well, then, yeah, the timing might work for me. But... Uh, for the time being, F1 is uh, if F1 is the only show in town, and so it should be. Yeah, it is. Andrew, thanks so much, mate. It's been uh, really nice having your friendship for the last 11 or 12 years, and hopefully that can continue beyond uh, this race. No worries, Shebex. Great to speak. Thanks. Andrew Westercott joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right, time to bring these two gentlemen into the conversation, as we always do for a bit of a chat from theracetalk.com. We say good day to Richard Crowell. Hello, Crowley. G'day, Tony Shebeki. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you. Next week, I'll be introducing you as Formula One commentator, Richard Crowell, but we'll hold off for a few more days. Mark Walker, hello to you. <laughs> I think you could probably start now. Two-time F1 commentator, Richard Crowell. Well, he's I not think two-time yet. The race hasn't so started far. yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Let's look, not count the proverbial Formula One cars before they race. Look, I, I think it was the big news announcement of the week, and... Um, our little friend over here is going to be calling the Grand Prix with one Damon Hill. Yeah. And I'd, I don't know how it happens every week on this podcast, but it, we can draw it back to the Pizza Hut all-you-can-eat pizza buffet yep. of the TV ads from the 1990s with him and yep. Harry Walker. There's yep. been a shunt. It's Hill. Correct. Yep. That, that, that endearing memory of my childhood. Both the Will you ads. be bringing that up with him? Both, yes. Better. Both, both, <laughs> both the ad and, indeed, the um, uh, the Pizza Hut all-you-can-eat restaurants, which were a part of my childhood. So, yeah, bring it on. It's great. So Mark, Mark Webber felt intimidated or? Mark Webber did. Oh, I don't know. You'd have to ask Mark Webber that. Hmm. Well, I mean, he Mark Webber had very little to do with Pizza Hut, really. So, well, I mean, correct. Probably... No, no, but I'm talking about last year's commentary. Mark Webber was there, wasn't he? He was. I, I'm not privy to the deals of Mark Webber's management and Network 10 management. So um, you'd have to take that up with either of those two, Shebex. Hmm. Mark Webber's probably his own manager, isn't he? He's a manager well, I of would have thought he manages drivers, so you would think he'd probably manage himself. But who knows? I, I Again, I'm not privy to these dealings, Shebex. I had to so, get a manager uh, because I had to stop handling myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow! You sure, that wasn't uh, court ordered, or <laughs> <laughs> possibly could have been. Uh, hey, we're getting excited, aren't we? It's just around the corner. Yeah, it's good. It, Saudi it's... Arabia done and dusted. We're yeah, the... and and a fairly. I, I I like us being the start of the season. I, I like Melbourne being race one. 
Uh, it just feels a bit weird starting in the Middle East like this, but um, mainly, I think mainly because the fact that they're not great time zones unless you're Mark Walker, mm-hmm. who wakes oh, up at three o'clock right. in the morning. <laughs> I, I wake up at four thirty, and I've opened my internets and gone. I wonder who won that race, and I'm like, oh, hang on, it just started. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, so it's I'll not a great, it. not a great time zone for. Well, thank God uh, for Ko Mini. Yeah, totally. They work really well. Amazing. Nice Fifteen minute summary of the Grand Prix. Yeah. It's good. Oh, I tell you what, I don't mind it being race three because hopefully, you know, some of the cars iron out their problems. Like that was always the problem in Melbourne, being the first race up. You'd have some years where you struggle to get a McLaren through the warm-up lap. And at least now, maybe we might be able to see a McLaren get to the finish. It won't be going very fast, mind you, but uh, it'd be nice to actually see a McLaren finish. Well, at least they're qualifying well at the moment. That's a positive. Yeah. Didn't Oscar do a good job there? He did. He did. Look at him being a race car driver and being good at what he does. It's nice, isn't it? But I, I the... tend to agree with you, though. I think race three is good because you actually come mm. in with some stories. I mean, the Fernando Alonso story is fantastic. There'll be yeah. a lot of people following that over the yeah. Australian Grand Prix to see whether he can make it three podiums in a row. So I, I'm going early with my hots and knots here, but I'm oh. going hot and not to Daniel Ricciardo because he's getting paid 18 million units of currency not to drive a McLaren this year. Mm. By the same token... Uh, Checo Perez winning races means that Daniel Ricciardo is not going to wind up in a second Red Bull seat, is he? Mm. No, true mm. story. True story. I, I, I'm enjoying the competitive tension that currently exists between the two Red Bulls because that hasn't generally been a thing of that the Perez Verstappen relationship. So what what we need if if the Red Bull is going to be the dominant car of the season. And it certainly looks that way. We really need Perez to take it up to max on more than just the street circuits Mm. on the calendar. So four of his five Grand Prix wins have come on street circuits. So whatever there is about them, he loves, which probably bodes well for Melbourne as well. But we need that little festering tension. And there was a really funny meme that I saw on uh, Facebook earlier today, Tuesday, as we record, um, of the difference in that park for me celebration where Perez is going over to his team and Jos Verstappen, Jos the boss is looking particularly grumpy and not interacting at all. And then there was a race that Verstappen won. I think it might've been Mexico last year where Checo's dad is giving Max a big hug. And it's like, look at the difference between the two approaches to the racing. But mm. I think the the best thing for F1 this year, outside of Fernando Alonso being epic um, is Perez actually putting some pressure on Verstappen and seeing if he can maintain that throughout the season in more than just a handful of races? Because when he runs with him, it's great. It's really it's feisty, and we want that inter-team feistiness between the two of them. There was genuine salt there, wasn't there? Yeah, it was great. It was very, very salty. But what do you expect? He started 15th. Mm. I mean, he got to... You know, second place by halfway through the race, and crazy, Checo was just out in front, and you know, one stop race like it was. There wasn't exactly a whole lot of strategy in play there. Once they were on those tyres, that was it to the finish. And you know, I, I think was the argument that they shouldn't push as hard as they did to try and save the cars and save themselves from mechanical dramas. But uh, whatever, he got beat mm. from fifteenth mm. on the grid. Yeah, what, what a rocket ship as well. <laughs> commentators, well, this isn't a very fair fight, is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's far and above everything else, isn't it? It yeah, is. But car. but there's good there's good stories, though. Uh, the, the whole field has compressed, and you just look at qualifying, and we talked about this last week, um, about whole, how competitive the whole thing is. And, you know, in quali one, I think it was 1.4 seconds a game between the, the top 20 cars, all of mm. them. So, and there's nothing between, like, fifth down to last really mm. so the the dud team at the moment is um alpha towery but they're not that dud that they're miles off the pace like williams were two seasons ago so that that bodes really well the, the brilliant comment I, I think it was kevin magnuson said yeah it's pretty competitive everyone's got a chance it's like indycar racing and that's like the mm. highest praise you could possibly give it because indycar is a championship where you know, one week you're 15th and the next week you're second. So, yeah. and that's what we want. We want that unpredictability, that variety of competition throughout the field. And that's what Aston Martin's injected into it this year with Fernando going as well as he is. What do we think of that track after another year's racing there where 
Hammond Tilke got paid by the corner to design it. <laughs> That's a lot of millions. <laughs> I I'm, I'm I'm remain not very whelmed by the yeah. Jetta Street circuit. It's pretty. It looks rad, but they all do. I don't get the point of running a race under lights as your big tourism cell because all it does is blank out all the bits that you might actually want to see. I, I would argue Sweet that point. the the aerial shots of Melbourne on a beautiful twilight summer's afternoon, the skyline, the bay, St Kilda, Albert Park, is a much, much better sell for the city of Melbourne than an LED-lit strip of bitumen running through a desert where you can't see the beach, you can't see anything except a few swanky buildings. You can't even see the desert. Yeah, I don't. I don't get that. I don't. I don't see the. I don't know how that. It's obviously got to do with heat, doesn't it? Surely. Well, well, yeah, of course it does. But that's I don't, the only reason. The whole reason you have a Grand Prix is to spend that millions of dollars as a tourism driver and a promotional tool for your oil-laden country, and then you just do it at night time where you can't see any of it. This seems, yeah. seems to We've, defeat the purpose. Like Singapore just... at night looks epic because it's Singapore, but I don't. I don't get it. Anyway. You could just be the Soccer World Cup and have all your well soccer. cameras inside a stadium and not yeah. being able to shoot anything outside. Well, at least there were no missile attacks this year, so that, that would have been a good start. Mm. But you see the uh, Australian Grand Prix next up, Sunday tickets. Uh, the last available tickets are nearly $4,000 a pop if you want to go on race day. Yep. And people are complaining about Las Vegas being expensive. Good grief. Mm. Whew. Yeah, but the thing is, Las Vegas has started their tickets at that price. Yeah, true. They're only selling the last couple. (laughs) Wait till they get to the black market. It's going to be huge. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Having a chat to Andrew Westercott before, and he he brings up the point beautifully. He said just how well this race has recovered from COVID and just how well the Australian public and the Melbourne public especially has just got behind it. And I asked him about the, the fact, does it stand a chance of possibly being taken over by F1 F2 and F3 and everything else goes by the wayside. And he said, you just couldn't have that here in Australia. He said the public wouldn't put up with two hour gaps between races. He said, that's what happens over in Europe. And he said, if you had that here, he said they would vote by their feet and not come. He said, you need things like supercars and Carrera Cup just to give you, he said 30 minutes. He said, it's probably the max that people will go to. And he said, that's where we're about at at the moment. He said, but anything more than 30 minutes between on track action and he said the Australian public just won't take it. I agree with that. However, mm. and far be it for me to be contrary to Andrew, uh, who was good enough to join us on the show, but the Sunday schedule's not good. No. From no. an entertainment on track car racing entertainment point of view. Okay, there's other stuff going on and I'm sure the DJ will be out spinning on the decks before and all that stuff. But so 9.05 a.m. is the Formula 3 race. 10.20 a.m. is a supercars race. So there's half an hour between races there. That finishes at 10.55. Uh, 11.35, Formula 2 finishes at 12.40. So it's 60 minutes plus a lap. And then there's nothing, nothing until 3 o'clock, which is when the Grand Prix starts, which is early. That's, that's been the case. There's always been a clear couple of hours. Hasn't but you, get two, you generally get two supercar races, some Carrera Cup, yeah. historics, and all that stuff. It, it's not a – if you're paying $4,000 for a Sunday ticket, <laughs> I don't know. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of time to drink. It's not that great. It, it'll be interesting to see how the reaction is because I, I get the feeling that this – Drive to survive crowd that we've now assembled for these Formula One races. Do they really need to see V8 supercars getting well, around? Probably and not. I mean, and what will the supercars guys think about their paddock situation this year? Because all their trucks are going to be parked outside of the track. Mm. It's not going to be like in years past where they've just had the luxury of their trucks backed up to the back of the pit lane there. It's going to be really inconvenient for everyone. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays, plays out and if supercars in the long term want to be sort of treated as you know, not the main act anymore, which they're definitely not. Yeah. The Grand Prix is always an interesting one. I always like to go and stand up on the, on the spectator banks, you know, before qualifying, before the race, and you just eavesdrop on what's happening around you. And typically so much of the crowd are international visitors. You know, they might not necessarily have traveled to Australia for the Grand Prix, but they're in the area and there's a Grand Prix on and they'll come and see it. Obviously 
with the tickets selling out so far ahead of time, you know, it'd be interesting to see what the mix is, but it always used to be the case back in the day that, you, you know, you'd be standing there and half the people around you would be speaking a different language, which was always a, an interesting sort of melting pot. We're one of the few flyaway rounds actually that has F2 and F3, aren't we? Predominantly most of the races are through Europe. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, F2 yeah. raced on the weekend. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah but that's, Close enough to the it? Middle East and here, but yeah, yeah you, no, you're right, and that it, that will be the most interesting thing for me. I I of the opinion that Formula Two, yes, absolutely. Do we need F3 as well? No. Does F3 add significantly to the program? I think F2 does because F2 is generally it's IndyCar light, isn't mm-hmm. it? But in Europe, so it's it's action packed, um, a lot of carnage high tire deg, wheel-to-wheel racing, young drivers with lots of money trying to make a name. So it's it's genuinely a good entertaining product. I'm not saying F3 isn't either, but do we need both of them to make the Australian Grand Prix event better? Does does having F3 elevate it over having something else, whether it's supercars or, or whatever it might be? And your point on supercars is absolutely bang on. Is this, this is going to be their first real opportunity opportunity is not the right word because they won't see it that way their first real experience of being a support category like an actual support yes, category yeah true rather than playing second fiddle to f1 they're gonna they're playing second fiddle to formula 2 and formula 3 so this is what a majority of other national level categories in australia deal with when they go to a supercar round <laughs> so it, it's going to be and i'm talking facts here it's going to be really interesting to see how they deal with it in your point mark of having their their trucks are going to be a 500 meter walk from where the garages are. And who knows what but happens. There's like the a 25 minute grid window. Mm. Like that's nothing for a supercar. So just roll right. out to the grid and go. Like they have had some short grids in the past, but mm. ooh, some really tight turnarounds. And if there's a bit of a cleanup after that previous session, they're going to become straight into time certain windows straight away before their race even starts. Yeah. And no, there's no flexibility for time certain at this event. It's not like you get some red flag time, like you do at a supercars round in, in supercars where if there's a red, the clock keeps ticking and you get a bit of extra time back to make up for that. That won't happen here because the F1 windows are sacrosanct and everything around it has to move on time. So I'm genuinely interested to see what the feedback is from the paddock not just the management, but the paddock as well. Um, and and where's the point where this event stops becoming worthwhile for supercars? That oh. that would be my question. Is 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 this a line too far for them? Where it's no the the reward they get for running in front of such a big crowd and the live TV and all of that. Where does that stop being good when you're running at five twenty five p.m. on Saturday night or Thursday afternoon? Yeah, yeah, correct. Exactly. Can I get you to put your Porsche Carrera Cup hat on for a sec, Richard? And just Officially. looking through the schedules as well, am I correct in saying that there's a pit walk at the same time that Carrera Cup's being run? I uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me, Shebex. It's happened at uh, that event before for support categories. They've just got to work around it. So you mentioned the, that situation with supercars. I wonder whether the same situation lies in for well, Carrera Cup and how they look at it and think, well, hang on, where are we at here in the future? I, I think the further down the food chain in motorsport you get, the more valuable it is to be at that event. And there's yeah, always sure. going to be a support category that will want to be there, even if they're running, like Carrera Cup is, at 6.25pm on Friday night. Now, 95% of the Grand Prix population that attended on Friday by 6.25pm are going to be very firmly entrenched into their third or fourth beer by that time. Only third day. Yeah. But those of us that love Carrera Cup and those of us that follow it and race in it will be there because it's still better to be there at that time than not be there at all. So, but, but the difference is for Carrera Cup and supercars, supercars can get paid to go somebody else, somewhere else. That, that won't matter. Whereas Carrera Cup, it's a little bit different and that the the financial model isn't quite so rock up and we'll pay you a bundle of dollars to, to play at our event. So, um, yeah, there's a line to be drawn somewhere. And I, I wonder if this is the line for supercars in particular as to where they um, where they look at it from here. And, you know, they've, they've scaled back to 12 events this year. What's the tipping point between them going, do you know what? We could get an event back and go somewhere else that we might make more money on. Um, and after their business, it's got to be profitable and it's got to have good value for the teams as well. Um, 
yeah, is this the tipping point where they go, do you know what? We might sacrifice the Grand Prix and go somewhere else where we get better bang for our buck. I, w- you know, I wonder. You know where Gen 3 would race really well? Queensland Raceway. Queensland Raceway. <laughs> they put on a really good race there. Spoken like a true Queenslander. Or Malala, I don't care. <laughs> no, whatever. We can, we can have two rounds. <laughs> Back to Calder. Well, Back to Calder. It's not a crazy idea, Shebex. I don't know that that whole Winton round used to get a pretty good crowd and it did, oh it? yeah, Winton turned pretty well, oh, didn't it? Yeah, geez. remember that? Yeah, yeah certainly do. Yeah. Uh, they've shortened the races too for supercars, haven't they? The Grand Prix. Uh, well, they've chopped and changed. I think some are longer and some are shorter. Okay. So they go seventeen laps. Uh, what is it actually? I've got it in front of me. In front of me here, uh, race one, which is at five forty p.m. Thursday night. By the way, twenty. <laughs> 22. <laughs> it's going to be dark. It's 22 laps. Daylight saving ends on Saturday of the Grand Prix so, this yeah, year. Sunday morning, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so uh, it's going to be pretty dark. Um, there's Scott Pye winning in the, the night spec stuff we're looking at here. Uh, 22 laps, race one, 17, race two, uh, and then race three is 14 and 14 for race four. So... I think the 22 is a bit longer than that, what they were last year, and then they get shorter as the weekend goes on. Yeah, sure. hmm. uh, just changing tack a little bit. Did I see a media release from you for the Bathurst Six Hour about uh, Anton Di Pasquale getting a drive there? Uh, yeah, you would have. Yep, I'm sure. Did yeah. you read it? Can you tell me what was in it? Uh, yeah, I can tell you that he's driving a car at the Bathurst Six Hour. Very good. I'm glad you read that. Thank you. Yeah. I uh, can no... tell you that he's driving, yes. It's a BMW. Correct. Yes, CM4, correct. I'm glad I'll put these, if this effort into these releases and they get read. That's good. Oh, look, I copied and pasted it. I no, didn't you, read it. The, the race talk ran it, for sure. Uh, yep, Anton back in. So there's going to be a rush of driver announcements between now and the six hour, which is in uh, three weeks' time. Not many. Less less than three weeks' time. Um, Wednesday after the Grand Prix, we go to Mount Panorama. But uh, yeah, so Anton will be there. there. There'll be some other good names running in that race. Over 60 cars entered. That's going to be good fun. And uh, it'll be live on Stan Sport, that one, all the way through, and a bit of Channel 9 on the Saturday. So yeah, countdown is on. And uh, keep yeah. your eye out for some um, for some driver announcements. Actually, that, that car, uh, Anthony Sewell owns it and has driven it. They've had an absolute horror run the last couple of years. It was one of the few BMWs that last year went in limp mode in the first, as they're prone to do. Uh, in the first 30 minutes of the race. And we had about three of them do it last year. And for a while there, we were worried if any would make it to the end. But um, so they lost a lot of laps, but qualified third with Anton behind the wheel. But they're um, they're supporting Shebeck's a really fascinating charity, which is um, is fairly powerful little message. It's called Destiny uh, Rescue. And mm. it's a charitable organisation. They're based in Queensland, that works to free children from sex trafficking, exploitation oh. around the world. And they're active in 12 countries. They've got 250 volunteers working for them. Uh, and Anthony's got behind that. So be raising funds to um, uh, to try and do that. Apparently they've rescued more than 11,000 kids Get out, out of Seriously? that pretty terrible situation. So it's, it's a good cause. I like it when good causes and motor racing pair up uh, like a fine wine and cheese to better the product. Hmm. The old six hour, it's one of those destination events now that every supercar driver wants to go and do. They they don't want to spend Easter with their family, so they want to go and race these things. Like we hmm. saw it last year that a lot of these guys came out of the woodworks and you know, laps at Bathurst is just good fun and production cars are good fun around there. They're they're yeah. not slow these days. They're banging out mid twenties, which is really pretty quick when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, low twenties for pole, really. Yeah. Which is which is impressive. Uh, yeah. GT World Challenge running that weekend as well. Shebex, we'll talk more about that next week. They should have a good field. And uh, GT4 as a standalone category running for the first time mm. with uh, a group of other production cars. So, yeah, lots going on. Um, and the other thing is uh, 62, I think, at the last count, Hyundai Excels will be oh, running. We'll 62. Get, wow. We'll get that down to about 25 after practice. By, yes, by uh, race <laughs> one, certainly. Uh, but the race talks, uh, two teams, our Queensland team and our South Australian team will be hey, there, hey. my understanding. So Brett Parrish, I saw, has a car on the list and uh, 
check it out racing from Adelaide uh, will be there as well. Yeah, but the Adelaide team sponsored by beer. So frankly, the Queensland team, as much as I love them, they can get lift their game. Yes. Yeah, they got no yeah. beer. Exactly. Hobgoblin Ruby Ale. Get around. Speaking of Queensland, uh, Formula Ford had their first round of mm. the season up at Morgan Park. Good Tell us about it. Tell yeah, us about Matt, it. Matt Hillier. Uh, fantastic drive by him. Saw him take uh, race two and race three and the overall round, uh, race one and pole on the Saturday taken by Zach Lobko. Uh, for him, it was his uh, first pole position and his first race win as well. So a couple of firsts there for the team. Xavier Kokai coming in in third place and uh, just some, as you expect with Formula Ford and we've seen over the last uh, 12 to 24 months, just really good, tight, close racing, which was fantastic. It's good to see a couple of those guys, you know, they're doing their second tour on the national scene that they're really stepping up this year, which is cool. And also Morgan Park, that's a good little racetrack. And it'll be it's a fun a great little racetrack, racetrack. Mm. in a Formula Ford, you know, it'd be good slipstreaming around the back there. And it, it's a shame that it it's sort of been shafted a couple of times there where events have been scheduled there and pandemic kicked in and it never sort of happened. But um, it'd be good to see a bit more national spec stuff. I know the Superbikes tend go out there and they yeah. love it, but uh, it'd be good to see a few more of that sort of second tier of the sport head out to Warwick because it's a good place to have a race and punters like turning up there. Well, I reckon you could nearly even have a decent supercar race on the track. Obviously, the facilities off the track aren't what you would want for that, but I I reckon supercars on that track would be fantastic. When we're having lockdown fantasy races, you can have 25 different, you know, layouts there. You don't, you could have done the the Ben thing where you run different races every weekend. That's true. That was a real fantasy world. Oh, I must have had a few beers that night before I write that story. <laughs> that was, yeah, that looked, there was a lot of that going on back in 2020, <laughs> both beer consumption and fantasy world, I think. Yeah, true. So uh, round two, Formula Ford heads off to Sydney Motorsport Park uh, in a couple of weeks' time, the week oh, after yes. Easter. With the state round, and they've had something yeah. like 190 entries, not Formula Ford, the whole no, of which, which I think which is huge, which is on, it's on course to be the largest New South Wales state round in history, apparently, Crazy. which is awesome. So, and the other good news there, you know, with Wakefield Park potentially coming back online, mm. you know, that's a good thing. I mean, they had their first round at Winton, uh, which didn't necessarily yes. get a, a huge entry, but um, that's good if they're all going to roll up for the second round. That's really good. So it's uh, NASCAR Mark. Sure is. Where were we? We were at Atlanta Motor Speedway, the Super Speedway there, the second time that we've run that in Super Speedway trim. And uh, it started out a bit, eh, how are you going? It was a bit cold and windy, but by the end, uh, she was an absolute uh, crackerjack race there. Uh, went right down to the wire, Fords were dominant, Joey Logano with a big last lap move on Brad Keselowski, who is now a partner there in the Roush team. And he was looking pretty good, but uh, he had to play second fiddle to Joey Logano, the reigning champ. So, I mean, the big thing with NASCAR this week is that they're off to Circuit of the Americas. And we've got Reins, which is cool. <laughs> we've got Jimmy Johnson. Oh, well, hey. yeah. That's cool. Jensen Button. Mm, Kimmy Raikkonen. Yeah, the Jensen Button thing, that's in a, a quasi-Stuart Haas car. So that's going to be interesting. Kimmy Raikkonen in a track house car, which won there last year and was also victorious at CS Point. So that's a good car on the road courses. Uh, Connor Dale will be back in his thing. Hopefully it's a bit faster than it was at Daytona. Listen to that podcast uh, that he wrapped up the Daytona 500. That was really interesting. And in the number nine, replacing Chase Elliott, Jordan Taylor. Mm. Mm. That'll be really spicy because he's been logging a lot of laps in their Garage 56 NASCAR entry. So, um, He's a bit of a gun turning right, and he's in a really good car and a lot of miles in that sort of equipment under his belt. So could have an absolute road course ringer come through with a win there. And we've also got some ringers in the commentary box. Kurt Busch is having a go, and the mm-hmm. other commentator off the bench, and this is, <laughs> I don't know where Fox went to get this one, Gunther Steiner. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> They're going to have to have the finger on the swear well, button pretty close to sure. Which is interesting given ESPN's got the F1 rights in America, not Fox. So that's a little bit of cross-code cross pollination there. Mm. I love it. That's good. 
Apparently he's got a shack in uh, North Carolina there, Mooresville. So um, to be close to the Husp base. So uh, it's obviously hmm. there's connection there. So um, that'll be interesting to see how, many, how long it takes for him to swear. Mm. I actually hope Jensen's part of the uh, Sky broadcast down here in Melbourne the week after. There'll be some good banter there about what might happen. Not that I'll be watching because I'll be watching Channel 10, obviously. I was going to say, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. You watch whatever you like, Shabbat, no, no, so no. I, won't, I won't judge. No, I've got to make sure my mate's ratings are up. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> what about Scotty McLaughlin puts another trophy on the cabinet? Ah, oh, what a legend. Seriously, <laughs> just rolls in. Second sports car race in his career and goes and wins the Sebring 12-hour in an LMP2 car. And finishes it was only in an third, LMP2 car, though. And finishes third outright. And the car was written off earlier in it the race. Was. It was destroyed. So, uh, and and he did that double stint at the end on old tyres and ragged that thing home in a very competitive battle. That was awesome. It was kind of helped by a bit of bowling there at the finish. Oh, look, he was going to win LMP2 regardless, but the whole uh, cannonball at the end there amongst the GTP cars was pretty spectacular. Um, bad if you're a Porsche fan because they look like the 963 could have been on for its first win. But anyway, Jack Aitken was behind the wheel of a Cadillac and it went well. Um, yeah. Do, do you think that maybe Scott McLaughlin might be good at driving racing cars? Like, do, you, yeah, do we now go, or have we already gone, yeah, he's actually rather good. So he smoked everybody in supercars in a bunch no, of different pa- cars. Parody. Parody was the problem. Parody. Parody. Now he's, he's beaten, he's won, what, four IndyCar races. Oh, but he's with Penske. He's with Penske. And now he's with not a Penske team, gone and won LMP2 in the Sebring 12-hour. Like, Put him he, in a Formula 1 Default? Car. He had to do No, well, he had to do a bit of carrying there, didn't he, really? <laughs> Put him in a McLaren Formula 1 car. Interesting race. Oh, Interesting gosh. weekend in sports cars. I agree with you. Interesting sports cars uh, weekend, Shebex, because we had the World Endurance Championship there, and it was yeah. the first weekend where... The US side of the equation, the LMDH GTP cars from IMSA went head to head with the World Endurance Championship hypercars. Um, hypercars came out on top there, as you would expect, some BOP work to be done, I think. But it, the gap wasn't as big as I think some people thought it would be. And the big surprise, which turned into not a surprise and more a, a cliche, was Ferrari got pole, mm. beat the mm. dominant Toyotas, and then engineered themselves out of a race win. And doesn't that just sound so unbelievably Ferrari? Ferrari. Yeah, <laughs> they're very good at that. But it's uh, in cool their DNA. And, yeah, it is. But cool to see, and um, it's a really good series this year. World Endurance Championship. Cadillac's quite strong. The Porsches will get better as the year goes on, and then the the Sebring Twelve Hour for the IMSA cars, sixty odd cars, pretty epic warring all the way through that race. Dramas with the final ten minutes, as it always is there. I really want to go to Sebring one day that to see a race, not just to hang out and climb through catch fencing that doesn't exist anymore, but it's um, it looks epic on TV that race and the photos that we ran. Thanks to our good friend, Andrew Hall on TRT were um, incredible. So yeah, really interesting stuff for sports car racing, which is going through a real boom time at the moment. Pots and knots gentlemen, as we wrap up the. Well, I'd like to start my, my not, uh, my knot was actually going to be the go bowling Sebring 12 hour at the end there. Um, as great as it was for drama and entertainment, really not ideal, is it? Um, my knot is slightly controversial. And I thought long and hard about this. But on the weekend, Shebex and Mark, mm. I went out to, believe it or not, my weekend off first in six weeks, uh, I went to a racetrack. Of course you did. Malala, I'm, I'm sure. I went to Malala, the opening round of the South Australian State Motor Racing Championships, Twilight Racing. It was a one-day event on the Saturday. I got there about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I had a morning. I had coffee and saw some people and ambled out to the racetrack and still got like seven hours of car racing. Although it turned out to be a lot more than that because I was just incredibly frustrated by delays. Now, sometimes delays can't be helped. It happens, oil down, things like that. But there, I reckon they lost two hours of that program with delays. There was an issue they said with the sand trap that needed to be regraded. And then there was a crush at turn two with some oil down in one of the XL World Championship races that needed to be fixed. But the the, the lack of activity, the lack of information, uh, 
the lack of impetus to look after your competitors. And there were more than a hundred cars entered in the race meeting, which was really solid. Um, let alone the fact that there were actually a few people there watching as well, which was great. Um, it, it really frustrated the hell out of me, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, the final race of the night didn't start till about quarter past 10. So that that's too late. Uh, and it's not a direct criticism at anybody, Shebex, but it's not because I just feel like regardless of the level and state championship motor racing isn't as high as speed series and definitely not as high as supercars, but um, it, it just needs to be better than that because this mm. is the kind of thing that people will go to car racing and go, this is a bit shit and not come back. So I just don't, I didn't feel like the standards were there and I'm not having a crack at the volunteers or anyone like that because they work their ass off and probably massively under resourced. So I get all of that, but there needed to be more information. There needed to be less confusion and just better management overall. But so I I hesitate to give that a knot because otherwise it was a really good night. But, um, and this goes for all motor racing. It's, it, there needs to be a way to make recoveries quicker one way or another. Well, off the back of yours, then, can I go with my knot? Because it also is based around information and communication. And my knot is based around timing at certain venues. Mm -hmm. I think there's a fair understanding that Natsoft is probably the premier timing system here in Australia. And and while there may be opportunities to improve it, it's probably the best And there are. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Up at Morgan Park, they use a thing called Speedhive. Mm-hmm. which seems to have a fair bit of exposure through Europe as well and a whole lot of other different racetracks. You would think that if you were offering a service other than the norm, you would probably offer a service that would be better than the norm to encourage people to take it. I'm just not 100% sure that Speed Hive is that. The thing with Speed Hive for me is that it doesn't show all the information that you require to actually be updating through the race. And what I mean by that is that I was unfortunately not able to get to Morgan Park on the weekend because I had four games of footy here in Melbourne. So I was trying to follow the race for Formula Ford as much as I could to write my stories and and the like post-race. I couldn't even get a margin between first and second, second and third, third and fourth, fourth and fifth. All I'm getting is the driver car number, the driver's name, their fastest lap, their last lap, and the total race time that they've actually raced. That's it. So there's no margins and it only goes and the total race time is only for the leader. The other drivers don't even get that. So you can't even work out, well, if that's 12 minutes 36 and he's 12 minutes 37, there's a one second gap between the two of them. You can't even work that out. So I would just think that if you're going to offer a product different to the norm, offer a product that's better than the norm. And then people might say, shit, I get why they've actually jumped on that. That's all I've got to say about that. Just a great knot. That knot is so far up my alley. I just cannot agree with you anymore. Nerds. Well said, sir. Thank you. Well said. Full nerd, and I love it. Outstanding. Probably, it's probably my best knot ever. Uh, no, that was, yeah, right up there. It's only take me three years to get it right. Great. Um, I've got several knots. Um, I'm very not, not heavy. And it goes back to almost what you're saying there, Richard, uh, about local clubbish level stuff. Mm. Uh, they had the Rob Roy revival on the weekend. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. Saturday, uh, uh, <laughs> a total fire band day, and they couldn't run the meet on Saturday, which was such a great shame that so much effort's gone into it and they've rebuilt the facility and it was all pretty huge and massive letdown Friday lunchtime when the fire band came into play. Then I was about to trundle out there on Sunday and I've looked at the website and yeah, I'm probably entitled to a media pass. I'm getting a media pass for most things, but local club level stuff, I don't mind dying up a bit of admission just yep. to support the cause. Whatever. Don't care. Absolutely. All good. Log on to the website to buy a ticket and they're $70 a pop. What? Oh. Seventy <laughs> For a hill climb. For a hill climb. Oh, wow. And Rob Roy. $70. Did you quickly apply for a media pass? Uh, I went to the working bee at the Pack and the Auto Club and we <laughs> dug some ditches. So uh, and that cost me nothing. So um, that's a knot. Um, what hang, on, hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. $70. $70. $70. That's just general admission. Just... It was $30 it to get into it. That wasn't actually driving the hill climb. That was... <laughs> I don't know. It was 35 to get into the Speed Series round race Tasmania. And you see TCR is 5,000 Trans Am and Touring Car Masters. 
There's like 35 to go to the Phillip Island Classic. They're on drugs. That's anyway. insane. No, all power well, to them. They probably are if it's costing 70 bucks. Someone's going to pay for them. Um, for Fernando Alonso, how about that whole situation? Mm, they had yep. 35 Oh, that's shocking. That, that's a good knot. Actually, Richard, in your mm. Formula One commentary, mm. to show that you care for us here at On The Grid, mm-hmm. can you talk ad nauseum about Mike Crack? <laughs> can you just men- name drop Mike Crack, the team principal at Aston Martin? Just ad nauseum throughout the call, please. Just to Mike Crack. Mike Crack. Yeah, you need to get the mic right. Did you hear about the driver they're talking to to join Aston Martin now? Mike know. Crack is going to get from the British Touring Car Championship, Jack oh. Goff. Oh, Jack Goff. No, no, Stop he's it. not. No, he's not, but it's really <laughs> good. How about that? that they Did James went... Hunt ever have a brother called yeah. Mike? Oh. <laughs> they, they had to go and show the stewards seven different instances of the Jack hitting the car during mm. during pit stops to get poor old Fernando's 100th podium back. Yeah. Poor George Russell, too. He had the trophy there for a little bit, but uh, that, that's been hand up on social media. Um, He's also, 100th podium, also, too. Let's, let's mention that. 100th podium is pretty good. Not mm. bad. Six also, not to Alonso for not lining up correctly. Yeah. How hard is it? Yeah. won a 1,000 Grand Prix. How hard is it to <laughs> yeah. park and yeah. can't it's park correctly? Mm-hmm. What's going on, buddy? Um, McLaren's a standing knot. Um, NASCAR World's uh, Hendrick Motorsport and uh, Corley Racing teams were docked 100 points, 10 playoff points each, crew chief suspended for four races, and the four Hendrick cars were fined $100,000 each for a sum total of $400,000 for having fudged louvers on their bonnets of their four race cars the other weekend. Pretty big. And then Danny Danny Hamlin got on his podcast during the week. It's a pretty good little podcast that Danny comes out and he tells it how it is, warts and all. And he said that he absolutely fed and Ross Chastain. And because he admitted that on a podcast, he lost 25 points and was fined $50,000. No. <laughs> so you've got to be careful what you say on podcasts, right? So, yeah. well, I'm looking forward me. to them finding us. Uh, so NASCAR's Christmas party funds just copped a nice 450G oh, uptake in one, it, one weekend. It's happening on the International Space Station. You just watch. <laughs> and, they should um, be able to buy two tickets to the Vegas F1 Grand Prix now with that. Yes, yeah. yeah well, nearly. <laughs> they could almost get, almost get a ticket well, to the Australian Grand Prix on Sunday. They're paying for Garage 56 at Le Mans, though. This is good. <laughs> and uh, one final note from me, uh, Reverend Gary Coleman had a fall mm. there at Sydney Speedway oh, and um, recovering in hospital. And... I'm not necessarily Charlie Church goer here, but um, I've come across Gary in my travels at the 12 hour one year. We had a driver go on the fence pretty hard and um, I went and collected him from medical. And while I was there, Gary sort of came over and I don't know what he said or what he did, but it was just brilliant. It was just absolutely perfect. He was there in a time of reasonable stress in the world and he just made everything right. So it's the sort of stuff that you you never see uh, in the flesh on camera or whatever. It's the stuff that happens behind the scenes while those guys are there. And Gary Coleman, what an absolute thorough legend of the sport. And we hope that he's up on his feet again very soon. Yeah, God bless all the chaplains that go around to all of our motor racing venues. Fantastic work they do. Do hots, 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 hots. Okay, well, my hot's pretty simple. Uh, I, I just throw a few things in uh, sports car racing. Hot, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, water product, both WEC and IMSA at the moment, outstanding. Uh, so throw that in. Uh, Fernando Alonso, despite little grid bungle, you know with Nando driving that you're always going to get. Where, where all the good drivers give 100% all the time, Fernando, you feel like, always gives about 107 uh, plus, so I love that. I love that he's still competitive at 400 years old, and I love that Aston Martin have pulled their finger out, and I love that he's smoking Lance Stroll as well. Um, so that's a hot, um, massive hot to the South Australian Hyundai Excel Group. 46 cars at Malala, so they were all they were 45% of the entire entry of the event. Wow. They split them into two classes, so they had the masters and the the well, let's call them pros because is I don't that, actually. Is that based on age, or how do they split them up? Well, 
Well, Masters is, I think it's only 30 over. I think it's more a semi-arbitrary line of experience and pace, basically. Yep. Um, I would, for instance, go into Masters straight away. Uh, I am not a master, but that's where I would run. Um, really good racing, great show. The the SA field is outstandingly well presented. They've got a heap of cool contingency prizes as well with local businesses stepping up and chipping in. It's just outrageously well done. So well done to everyone at Circuit XL SA. But my main hot, and, and this is a point that you made earlier, Mark, and, and that I know we all agree on on this show, um, my hot is Malala. And yes, I'm ridiculously biased because it's my home track and I grew up there. But the whole thing of needing to make sure that these circuits like Morgan Park and Malala and the circuits that don't get visited that option, often Wakeford Park when it comes back, um, get some form of relevancy via a big event or something that gives them a headline, I think is so important. And I was out there on the weekend. It was a beautiful day. Lights came on. The lights have had some improvement there. It's not Sydney Motorsport Park, but then it doesn't need to be. Um, the sun was setting. It was utterly stunning. There was a really good vibe there. A bucket of chips only cost five bucks at the cafeteria. So and they'd be good chips too. That's a hot on its own, and they were. Yeah. Um, so just a massive hot to that place, which has got massive soul, especially for me who grew up there and under lights. It's one of the few tracks in the country that can do it. Uh, you just keep pivoting back to there's got to be something that could run in summer, Saturday night, under lights, fireworks at the end. That place would be hot. And that's why it gets a hot from me tonight. So well done to them and to the XLs. I lay you well, promises well, a man who's never been to Malala. I will get there in the next 12 months. It's it's a fantastic place. You can stay at I my house. Sure Twenty five minutes away. Yeah, well Sorry, done man. on Malalar existing. That's great. Hmm. Um, well, my hot. I'm, I've got a hot followed by a what. Hot was the NASCAR Cup finish. That was pretty epic. And the what is Josh Williams in the Xfinity race. Mm. He was parked because a bit of sticky tape fell off his car, and the, the race was running long, and there were lots of cautions, and it was just dragging on, and the officials cracked it, and they parked him. So instead of going to the garage where he's directed, he stopped at the start line, got out and walked back to the pits. <laughs> Great. So yeah. by the time this podcast falls, the penalty would have been announced and he would probably be on a bit of a holiday. A million but he did have to go and sit in the NASCAR hauler for several hours after he got back to the pits as uh, punishment. But apparently they had pizza. So that was uh, <laughs> young Josh. <laughs> who sports one of the tastiest mullets in all of NASCAR racing. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But a uh, bit of action on and off the track in Atlanta. So that uh, was your hot. Oh, that was a what? Oh, right. Oh, so yeah. what's your hot? The hot was the cup finish. finish. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. That'll do. Uh, my hot, and I'm going to steal terminology from the US here, March Madness. I love the month of March. Now, I, I enjoy cricket. I really do. It's gone a little bit silly recently and it's sort of taken my focus away from it. I enjoy baseball. I enjoy maybe even a little bit of football in the summer, but there is nothing like when the month of March comes around and provides us with our first super round, our first supercar round for the season provides us with the start of an NRL season and provides us with the start of an AFL season. And to be at the MCG on Thursday night with 88,000 people for Richmond Carlton and the sound when that bounce went down and the siren went for the start of that game, there is nothing like opening night or just any opening of any sport in the month of March. So glad it's here. It now means that we have six to seven, eight months of pure joy on our sporting screens and in our sporting hearts. Love this time of year. Well, I don't know how we follow that up, Richard. No, but it's no, just, I've got, it's I've March. got nothing. Jeez, I'd one. hate to be, hate to be April. Try and follow that up. Yeah, yeah I know. It it's only got Easter. It's all it's Easter, and that's all it's got. Fifth of depression in April. Bathurst six hour. <laughs> no, October is where it happens. No, well, October's okay because you got Bathurst exactly. Well, well, you know what we need. April needs to have the Bathurst six hour end in a draw. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm probably talking about December, January, and February. Are just lost months. I just don't mean no, anything yeah, anymore. You need, fairly, you need time. Yeah, off I'm fairly sometimes. confident that that's a good thing. I have more, more weeks. I just push the old 12 hour a few weeks back later. It'd be great. Just an extra couple of weeks uh, off in summer. would be tremendous. I want more cricket, Shebex. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. No, this has been on the bounce. Uh, or is that not a Fox show? 
No, it is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. On the bounce. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, catch you guys next week when we really delve into what should be a fantastic week of uh, lead up to the Australian Grand Prix. We should find an actual Formula One commentator to come on and help preview it. Oh, that'd be oh, good. I'll leave that in your hands. You uh, seem to know them all. We, oh. we can make predictions of how Paulie McLaren's going to go. Yep. Excellent. Bye for now. See if you can get Jensen Button. We could talk about his... He's not working for us. No, but still, just see if you can get him. Why don't I try and get Damon Hill, the 1996 world champion? This is hey, not a promise, right. ladies and gentlemen, that I'm going to get Damon Hill on the podcast. Try, just, though. I, I, I will try. I'll even, can, I'll even provide the pizza. Yeah, can you just get Pizza Hut? So can we all just order in Pizza Hut? <laughs> I like it. Blimey. I like it. We'll find right, out what happens next week. week. Catch you next week, too. Thanks for joining us right here on The Grid.